This is episode number 69 of the Birding Life Podcast. My name is Adam and I'm your host on the podcast where we discover birds and the people that pursue them. For this week's episode, I'm joined by Mark Crenier from Nature Travel Birding. That's M-A-R-C if you're looking for him on social media. And in this week's episode, we are going to explore the Caprivi Strip and discover what this special location offers birders and nature lovers. If you listen to the Kruger episode with Mark, you will know that he is a fantastic guide and this is an episode that you won't want to miss. If you are looking to do a birding trip to Namibia, be sure to visit our birding directory on our website, www.thebirdinglife.com and click on the directory tab. Our directory will help you find accommodation and guides that cater specifically for birders. If you would like your services to be advertised in the directory, please email info at thebirdinglife.com and we will send you all the information you need. As always, The Birding Life is proud to be associated with Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars, and spotting scopes, as well as the Birdlasser bird logging app, Spot, Plot, Play a Part. Download and install the app to play your part in social conservation. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast to help others find the show. Please also tell others you know about the show. If you'd like to contribute to help us cover the costs associated with hosting the show, you can click on the link in the comments section of this episode and buy us a coffee or two. So now, let's explore the Caprivi Strip. Mark, welcome back to the show. Your last episode was one of our biggest followed shows we've had, the Kruger episode, and if people haven't listened to that, go back and listen. It's an absolutely fantastic episode. Um, I know for one, I told you when we finished the episode that I really want to book you as a guide when I go to Kruger because, man, that was a fantastic episode. So I've been following you on social media and you've been doing some fantastic tours around. So what have you got up to since the Kruger episode? Oh, thanks, Adam. Yeah, it's it's really great to, to be back. And yeah, the, the Kruger episode, was it was it took my breath away to see how people really enjoyed it and the feedback. And yeah, no, it was, it was quite something. So thanks to the folks that got in touch with me and said they enjoyed it. A couple of guys got in touch saying when they're going to be traveling down in the holidays to Kruger, they'll get in touch. And like Adam said, if you haven't checked it out, go back and see the Kruger episode. There were some good pointers, some good help, et cetera, in there on to help you with your birding in Kruger. Um, yeah, it's been, things have picked up. Obviously, it's we still, for any form of guiding or tourism, it's a bit, still a bit up and down with the COVID, but things are moving forward. Um, slowly, I've been lucky. I have, um, since we spoke, I've had a few trips up to Northern Kruger, which is always special. So I spent some time in the Makuleke in the Pufuri area. And then um, I had a trip down in Namibia. So I was lucky enough, I managed to have two trips into Namibia. We did some birding in Namibia. So we went through most of Namibia and then up into the Caprivi Strip. So that was, um, it's always, it's a very special place to just go birding. So and it's one of my favorite destinations to bird in Southern Africa. And yeah, we had um, South Africans actually join me on a trip and then an American client, client joined me on a trip. So yeah, for the company I do my work for, Nature Travel Birding, we put together a trip and out we went and it was just so lucky to get out there away from anything and just enjoy the birds. Huh? Uh, let me do this nice and early on because someone might not listen right till the end. And so in case I don't listen to the end, these these trips you're doing in the Kruger era are absolutely fantastic. So how can people follow you on social media to make sure they don't miss out on any of those trips? Because they, they, the pricing on those trips is fantastic. And I don't think it's always going to be like that when the international markets up, open up. So how can people connect with you over social media to make sure they don't miss out on any of those trips to the Kruger area and the areas that you're doing? 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, what we've been doing is we've been trying to, some of the some of the places we stay have come on board and offered uh, really good rates to get South Africans in and have started to realize there's a South African market. And we really hope to, to keep that market going. You know, we've realized the South Africans are enjoying their birding and we want to get them out there. So, yeah, I mean, the trip we stay in the Makuleke at, at one of the camps and um, the best way people can just keep in touch with me or get in touch with me is probably I'm on Facebook. I am on Facebook, so it's uh, Mark Ranier. Or even, um, I'm sure you put the links up, you'll see, even they can pop me an email on my email address. It's mark with a C, dot cronier1991 at gmail.com. Or they can even just pop me a WhatsApp for my cell phone number. It's 083-705-6436. And then, yeah, the company I'm involved in, Nature Travel Birding, we're also looking at doing tours for South Africans to Namibia, Botswana, and some of our neighboring countries for birding and they we're on Facebook, Instagram, etc., all as nature travel birding. And I'm also on Instagram, Mark Renier. Yeah, like and I said, just drop Mark a, a message. Uh the pricing is fantastic. I've been very impressed with the pricing and I'm not a I'm definitely not a rich oak, but your pricing is great and the birds that you've been getting that you've seen on some of these trips is is fantastic. So in this episode we're gonna chat all about birding in Namibia and we're gonna be specifically looking at the Caprivi strip we're going to be chatting about other in future episodes we'll 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 tackle the rest of Namibia so we're going to chat about the birds and everything in a moment but let's ask this question so why should somebody do a birding trip to Namibia it's a good question Adam you know if you think about um and where people can go birding and people I mean why Namibia I mean Namibia a lot of People say, well, what's in Namibia? People perceive Namibia as a desert, where fair enough, yeah, well, a good part of it is a desert. But I mean, Namibia, first of all, the one of the great attractions with Namibia is there's some really, really good, well, they only have really one true um, endemic bird, but there's a good list of endemic and neo-endemic birds that are really, really easy to see in Namibia, if you know where to go, that in other parts of even South Africa and then going up to like in Angola, I mean, a lot of the birds are neo-endemic just because they pop into Angola. But in Namibia, we've, we, we, we've got places where we really bump into these birds. The country also offers a lot in terms of there's not many places in the world where you can go birding. You can start in the you, well, you can start in the Kalahari Desert, go down to the Namib to get the dune lock, move up to the Atlantic coast and get a whole bunch of waders and seabirds, get Demara terns, sometimes in their hundreds, get things like Gray's Lark, um, We've had we've had red knot there. We've had um. I mean, the, the, the salt works of Volfus Bay are known for the rarities that pitch up in the summer months. I mean, Eurasian oyster catchers, things like that, just to get everyone drooling. So you can spend time birding on the Atlantic. Then you can cut back inland to Demora Land, which is basically back into the desert where you've got desert adapted wildlife. We well, I mean, we go out birding looking for. Benguela longboard larks and um, stuff like that and bump into the desert adapted elephants, you know. And there's not many places where you just drive and there's just wildlife everywhere, you know. It's, um, South Africa, we're very much used to the concept of you have to be in a park and not in the chance to see wildlife. Where Namibia, I've had it where I'm driving from Buntuk down towards Sosas Flay to go to one of the areas where we get Herrera chat and you bump into cheetah walking on the road. So, I mean, Namibia, as you can hear, has got so much on offer. I mean, as I was just back to us saying, and then you're in Demoraland, then you're in Itosha, one of Africa's premier game parks, and then you go up to the Caprivi Strip onto the, the 
or at least the sub-region's biggest rivers, both the Zambezi and the Okavango River, where now we're starting to look at tropical species, things like racket-tailed rollers, Hell's fishing owl, slaty egret, rufous-bellied heron, Sousa shrike, I mean, skimmers, pygmy geese, lesser jacana. I mean, if that if that doesn't sell a country, then, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think anything can from a birding point of view. The other thing that makes Namibia so great is, as we know with, with the birders, we all enjoy our mammals and are, are quite keen to get in there and see a couple of different mammals. So, I mean, Itosha are probably the best place in Africa now to see black rhino, good for cheetah. And as you moved up to that Caprivi strip, you know, that that Kaza area now, it's it's open fences. You know, game now moves from Angola, from Botswana, from Zambia, from Zim. You can be driving through the Caprivi strip and have wild dogs running on the road. We see leopard, we see sable, we see roan, red lettre, um, big herds of buffalo. It's almost... I mean, when I grew up, I grew up watching David Attenborough and the Okavango Delta. And I mean, the top of the Caprivi Strip where the Okavango flows into the panhandle is, is exactly what we used to see on BBC with David Attenborough moving through on a Mokoro and he's got, yeah, Blessed Jacana running around with big elephants in the background. And, you know, when the barber run takes place and the, and the water levels drop, the, the water bull, the, the water birds that, that, that come in there is just, I mean, we get excited when we see a couple of open wool stalks. I'm talking thousands of open wool stalks coming to the to the floodplains as they dry up. I mean, things like, I mean, when I was up there now, dwarf bittern was a common bird. We were seeing three, four dwarf bitterns just in a morning. So, I mean, yeah, as you can hear, it's, a, it's really, it's a country that offers so much because you just, in, in, a, in a 14, 16-day tour, you, can, you you cover so much habitat and so much, different areas that you can imagine the bird list is, is is pretty is pretty impressive along with the mammal list and then it's also a very safe country i mean most of the time you barely barely see anybody so it's a very safe country in terms of i mean safety is always a thing that creeps up now and i mean i've never had any issues in namibia as i said most of the time we go to places with hardly any people they've got a really small population so it's still nice to be able to just jump out the car and go and do birding and you really don't bump into anyone. If I'll be honest with you, I don't know much about Namibia. So I'm going to ask you just to, just to tell us a little, bit, a little bit about Namibia. But also when you when you chat about that, just chat about the infrastructure. That What is the infrastructure like, you know, for a lot of people that want to travel up, you know, in terms of the the shops and, you know, how, what is the infrastructure like? And, and, and tell us about the country as a whole besides it being a fantastic birding destination. It's a fantastic country. I mean, if in terms of infrastructure, if you think about the infrastructure that South Africa has or for, for our international um, guests listening in, it's pretty much like any like what people know back home. You know, they've, they've got big towns. I mean, Vintuk is the capital. So most tours you'll fly in or start and end in Vintuk. It's where the international airport is. And you can get anything in Vintuk and anything in Namibia. They have the, the, the big towns, they've got normal shops. they got the same shops that we have in South Africa. So getting supplies, getting diesel, you can rent cars. It's actually got it all. It's really, it's a, and it's not, you're not going to, get something specialized but i mean basically everything you need for a good holiday and a good trip is available in namibia it's got a big german influence so i mean namibia was was a german colony so you there's still i mean german is still one of the official languages and in some towns in namibia german is, is actually officially the official language so there's a big german influence i mean when you're in like a town like sokobmund on the coast you think you're back in you've gone back in time and you're in a little 
German town like Munich, you know, so it's got a good German influence. Um, cuisine, very much like South Africa. So Namibia is a country of, of meat lovers. They quite enjoy, enjoy their meat. But I mean, my previous trip now, I had a vegetarian with me and they perfectly, the lodges, the places you stay, even campsites, often the campsites have a restaurant associated with them and you can get really good meals at really, really good prices that just then, yeah, I mean, it, it, it offers everything one needs. I mean, the guys that do self-drive, it's got a good self-drive network, a good road network. I mean, most of the roads are dirt roads, but a good road network, it's easy to navigate, work out where you're going. And there's, I mean, the places that's really geared up for them tourism, they've got a lot on offer from really exquisite five-star hotels down to guys that are camping and using rooftop tents. And there's places you can stop, resupply, you can get stuff on the way, you can, getting fuel is really easy. So, I mean, it's a, it's a really easy country to travel. It's pretty much like South Africa, just with hardly any people around. So when we did the Kruger episode, I asked you to tell us your five favorite Kruger birds and also why you found those birds fantastic. So for Namibia, I've asked you to choose your top three. So we're going to start with your third favorite Namibia bird. Then we're going to move to, by the end of the episode, we'll move towards your number one favorite Namibian bird. So tell us what is your third favorite Namibian bird and why? Okay, so my third is it's difficult because Namibia has got a lot of birds, but I'll touch on touch on some of my favorites when we chat about the Caprivi. But for Namibia, not including the Caprivi, so the the stuff that people really come for, or my favorite bird, my third favorite bird is the Hartlob Spurfowl. It's up there not just because it's one of those birds that if you come to Namibia, you really want to see a Hartlob Spurfowl, and there's some really good places we we, we go to see them, the Irongo area and then um, Waterberg Plateau. But the reason why it's it, it's crept up, it actually never was, but it's crept up into my top three, is on my recent tour of the birds. Sometimes as a bird guide, you know, you get yourself, well, it worked up, but you know, you know, these birds sometimes, if they don't call, we don't find them, or you can really work to find them. And I uh, had a birder with me. He was quite keen on seeing the hotlob spurfowl. And, yeah, we were up early. It was quite a cold, cold morning. It was when this cold front was coming up, you know. Just under two degrees is quite cold. So you expect there's not too much bird activity hanging around. So I said to him, let's go grab a cup of coffee, let it warm up, and we'll listen from the restaurant in the hopes of hearing the hot dog's profile. The, the way of finding them is when they call, when they advertise the territories early in the morning, you normally see them on the rocks calling. And you're walking up to the to the restaurant to grab a coffee, cup of coffee, and I'm about to open the door, and there's two hot dog's profiles sitting on the steps just looking at me pretty much um, if that doesn't creep into your heart, then I don't know what's going to. So it's really, yeah, sometimes we look for these birds and sometimes they just stare at you in the face like that. So they, they did, they definitely creeped in into my third favorite bird for Namibia. I saw something with Namibia. There's a lot of um, LBJs. So for the guys that enjoy LBJs, it's quite a lot of, you know, quite a lot of fun there. Hands down. I mean, Namibia, it, especially when you spend time in the more arid areas of Namibia. So, I mean, Namibia's only true endemic bird is a dune lock. So as the name says, it's a lark screaming LBJ. It's a relatively easy lark to identify, very habitat specific. But I mean, yeah, that's uh, that's definitely an LBJ. And then they, they you can only find them on, on basically in the dunes of the Namib Desert. So that you can get them in the area of Sossus Flay and they're not too far from Volfus Bay. And that's definitely, definitely an LBJ. And then some of the other small birds like Gray's Lark, Stark's Lark, um, they're also birds that are, are, are relatively in the right places, relatively easy birds to to see. I'll just roll on because I know you're going to ask even to my second favorite bird is also 
potentially considered an era, uh, uh, an LBJ, and it's um it's the Herrera Chat. It's also a very very special bird. Namibia is probably the place where most people see the bird for their life list, and it's just an awesome little bird. I mean, it's to me, I think it's just a cute little sexy looking bird when you get your when you get your bins finally onto it and they've just got such a unique call. If you if you're a bird guide in Namibia and you in the areas they basically it's a bird that prefers valleys with a bit of vegetation around them and you're walking in these dry river beds. Just the scenery is absolutely spectacular. That we, we spend time looking for these birds and you hear these birds calling. It's just just the whole the whole setup or the whole atmosphere of, of seeing an area chat and and where we go and look for them just is is absolutely amazing and they're just for me just cool little birds to see so that is it actually is my second favorite bird in the movie as well i think if people go back and check all those birds in their bird book they will realize why it's actually good to book a guide when you go up there because it's going to make lbj identification a lot easier you're not going to have to every time you see this little brown bird sitting not pull out your fancy peacock LBJ book and try page through it. So if there's one reason to get a guide when you go to Namibia, it's LBJs. Yeah, no, hands down. I've definitely knowing their habitat, what they prefer. Calls, of course. I mean, most of these LBJs, we go in the summer months, the birds are calling. It really, really helps how they display. Um, yeah, and also just knowing what's in the area. Often you can eliminate certain birds because you just know they're not in that area. We, I spoke earlier and said we're going to be we're going to be highlighting in this episode the Caprivi Strip, and like I said, we'll we'll chat about other areas of Namibia in future episodes. A lot of people, when they think of Namibia, obviously think of the more desert kind of um, habitat and that. And Namibia is quite an arid country, but the Caprivi Strip is quite different. So tell us about this fantastic this this place. Where is it found in Namibia, and also what kind of habitat can people expect to find in 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 the Caprivi Strip? Okay, so the Caprivi Strip, it's that, I mean, it's, it's it's always quite a funny thing when we look at a map of Namibia. We, we, I mean, if we look at the map of Namibia, and we look in the northern parts of the Namibia and we come towards the east, there's that little finger or that little piece that just sticks out on the right-hand side. So going towards the east of Namibia, basically towards Botswana. So it goes in just above Botswana towards uh, Zim and Vic Falls and then Angola on the other side. And it's where the Okavango River comes in from the highlands of Angola into the Caprivi Strip, along the Caprivi Strip, down into Botswana to make the the, well, the Panhandle and then eventually the Delta. And then the Zambezi also comes flowing in from Zambia and then flows to Vic Falls. So it's that little strip that's on the end of Namibia. A lot of our South African listeners would have would know the Caprivi Strip as a completely different area a few years back because, of course, a lot of the South African viewers, a little bit older than myself, would have spent time along the Caprivi Strip doing their military service there. And when there was when when Namibia was part of South Africa and there was the fighting and the, and the war going on in there, so it was it was a war zone, and now it's been completely turned into a wildlife corridor and an absolute haven for birds. It's um it basically starts at the town of Rundu. So where the Caprivi Strip is basically starts, where that finger stretches and goes away, goes across all the way to the Botswana border, and then across to across to Vic Falls. The famous towns are Rundu, Devundu, and then of course a lot of people would have heard of what they just call Katima or Katima Malua, and that's I mean what that that's probably quite famous with the South African listeners. They would have known it was from Katima where the first yellow-throated leaf lives were found. They crossed over and were found at a lodge there at Caprivi Houseboat. 
and they were found on the Zambezi. And now recently, Rossus Taroka has been found um, along the Okavango River, quite close to Rundu. So it's it's a, it's an area where people have explored, but as you can see, as more people go into there and explore more birds, more we're picking up new birds for our subregion. So obviously, a lot of places the seasons play a big part in terms of birding. So what is the best season to visit the area? So with the Kiprivi Strip, I mean the, the the area is is is, is almost subtropical. So I mean, forget it's the part of Namibia that's that's not dry. It's subtropical with the rivers. You've got a mix of Miambu woodland. And then obviously a lot of spent time along the rivers, birding along along floodplains, um, backwaters, and then on the actual rivers themselves. Seasonality depends a lot on um, what you're looking for. Of course, the best time to go is in the summer months because that's when a lot of the migrants are in and a lot of the when the birds are active, displaying and calling. So um, definitely for the birders looking to try and maximize their time up there, you want to go in the summer. But then it also depends how you handle heat and humidity. You know, going in December, January, February, it can be very, very hot and very, very humid, which of course can make things difficult. My time, best time to spend time in the in the Caprivi is probably in October, November, and then like a February, March, even April. I mean, end of April, you still have a lot of the migrants, and a lot of the migrants that leave South Africa are still around in the Caprivi towards the late summer. Um, I think for a lot of overseas people, when they come over to Africa and they want to do safaris and that, um, then they're coming for more than just birds. And even for South Africans who are looking to travel, I mean, getting a photo of a leopard or something is absolutely fantastic. So besides birds, what else can visitors expect to see in the area? Yeah, I mean, Namibia and, and, and the Caprivi Strip, it's wildlife. It's, it's, it's teeming with wildlife. I mean, the listeners know that I'm an absolute Kruger fanatic, but so... If a Kruger fanatic tells you that Namibia and the Caprivi Strip is teeming with wildlife, then that just tells you. The, the, the magic thing about it is it's still seeing what I call raw Africa. You're still driving in an area when you're out there birding and out there, you know you could actually bump into anything. I mean, I've spent time just to just to give listeners a feeling, gone out at night owling looking for white-faced owl, and you're driving on a road just a few minutes from the lodge and you come around the corner and there's a serval standing in the middle of the road, you know. We still have, you heard me say, the desert elephants, we bump into them quite often. There's um, Itosha National Park, you know, with the rhino, black rhino, cheetah, leopard, all these these these, these sought-after things. There's the smaller things too, just watching, just seeing different antelope, you know. You heard me say the sable, the rowan, things like lechwe. I mean, Sititunga is quite a rare mammal to see. And along the, the, the Caprivi Strip, that's a, that's a antelope, if you're lucky, along, along the, the Caprivi and along the rivers, you can see. Of course, your typical things associated with water, hippos, crocodiles on boat cruises. We're starting to get lucky while we're out and about on the rivers, scanning rivers, looking for things like finfoots, white-backed night herons, black-crowned night herons. We sometimes see otters. I've had leopard in Mahangu National Park, which is in the top of the Caprivi, just sitting at a waterhole watching and a leopard pops up. So the wildlife is in Namibia and uh, in the Caprivi is absolutely amazing. In a typical birding trip, we'll probably average anything between 40, 45 mammal species in a trip. So you can, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's quite an attraction for an area. If you're looking to visit Namibia to discover the fantastic birds the country has to offer, 
be sure to visit Sanfontaine Lodge and Nature Reserve on our directory. Sanfontaine Lodge and Nature Reserve is a uniquely private hideaway in an isolated corner of southern Namibia, set within 200,000 hectares of a private nature reserve, home to arid plains, dry riverbeds and the mighty Orange River. Sanfontaine has just built five eco-conscious bungalows. It's a soul-stirring place where guests have all they need to relax and reconnect with nature. This is a fantastic destination to connect with birds such as swallowtail bee-eater, freckled nightjar, karoo long-billed lark, pale-winged starling, black-chested prinia, double-banded and namaqua sandgrouse, black stork, dusky sunbird, rosy-faced lovebird, and a whole lot more. To find out more, simply visit www.thebirdinglife.com forward slash Sanfontaine dash lodge. The link will be in the comment section of this episode. So now I'm going to ask, you know, we're in the middle of travel restrictions and all these things and for a lot of people to travel out of South Africa or wherever they're traveling right now to get to even the previous trips, not easy at the moment. Um, I know that yes, people are able to travel, but yeah, it's a lot more difficult. So I'm going to encourage the listeners now to, if you're sitting at home, make yourself a cup of coffee, put on pause, make yourself a cup of coffee, pour a glass of wine or whatever is going to make you happy because I'm going to ask Mark now to take us on a virtual birding trip through the area. And I think by the end of this, people are going to be like clicking on to book to come up, to come up there. So Mark, tell us what we can expect as birders. Show us, take us on a take us on a virtual trip through the Caprivi Strip. Okay, great. Thanks. Yeah, enjoy. I hope you guys. Our restrictions have been lifted, so someone we should all have something to drink now. Yeah, so I'm going to start basically then from the Caprivi Strip. So I'm going to do it as if we were on a tour, and as we enter the Caprivi Strip at Rundu, and then as we move basically across the Caprivi Strip, what? What, what what can be expected and what, what sort of things we bump into. So what we would normally do, you would have come out of Itoshos, you would have had good wildlife, you would have had dry, arid things, you would have had a lot of your larks, you know, pink-billed lark, you would have had um, dune lark, you would have had the sea, the coastal birds all behind you. So you'd be going into the Caprivi, you'd be coming in, you'd be arriving in our first lodge on the Okavango, and you'd get to the lodge. The lodge is all of a sudden you you in this tropical environment. Everything's green. There's a lot of bird song. You know, you get out the car. Often you have um, white-browed robin chats calling. It's your first time you're getting into these different birds for our South Africans. You know, South Africans know Birchall's cuckoo. You'll be up there often if you're late in the afternoon. You'll hear coppery-tailed cuckoo calling, white-browed cuckoo calling, different babblers. You know, we all know the Aramark babbler up there. We've got Hartlop's babbler. So they're nice white rump. They'll be calling in the gardens. These are just kind of the birds that are just in the gardens. And then, I mean, you could walk out onto the deck for a sundowner. I mean, we get there in the afternoon and you, you're on the deck and you could have, you, it's a good chance you then will have a fish eagle hanging around fishing. You probably have already bumped into lesser chicanas, African pygmy goose. That's also a really, a really good bird for South Africa, but up here a little bit more common. And, um, you know, you'd, that's just, that's almost like your introduction, just as you move through or as you enter into the Caprivi Strip, it just changes. And all of a sudden, the birds are just coming in, the numbers are up. You got things like um, bushrikes, you know, all of a sudden you're in your orange-breasted bushrikes, your typical tea, coffee, and me call, or your gray-headed bushrike calling. And then as, you know, the sun sets, the, it, it changes. Then you start to listen for things like swamp nightjar. So I know the guys in KZN, you've got really good areas for them, but that's a, 
still a great bird, special bird that we can see. And I mean, as we as we move this, the places we stay in the start, the, in the start of the, the Caprivi strip, that swamp nightjar is a great bird we look for. Uh, things like freckled nightjar we also pick up in the area, square-tailed nightjars. And then, um, of course, um, night herons. You know, white-backed night heron is a species that everybody really wants to get their, 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 their binoculars on and can be a tough bird. But once you're in the Caprivi Strip and on the Okavango River, this bird becomes a little bit more easier to see. And I, on a few occasions, as we start the trip moving to the Caprivi, bump into white-backed night herons. I mean, as you can hear, just as you as you arrive, it's just in, insane birding. And as I said, you know, on the river, you would have hippos grunting in the background. You would have seen a couple of big crocs. And already you start watching for different antelope, things like Sitatunga coming through. Yeah, that's just the first day and then your first night. I mean, often the gardens have got nocturnal birds in them. We often see the bush babies, African wood owl, white-faced owl. So some some really good stuff, just good general birding, good birds to be had. And then also like stuff like your pals fishing out and that kind of thing, those sort of birds? Yeah, what would happen is we'd start, I mean, your pals, you more pick up on the Arcavango. So what would happen is you would start to move to the Caprivi Strip. So, so from Rundu, Depending where you'd go, you'd probably make your way all the way through to Divundu and spend time in the Mahangu area. So you'd probably stay in in the vicinity of the Mahangu National Park and then Babatwatwa, or what's also known as Buffalo National Park. And this is basically where the Okavango comes in from Angola and makes um, the first floodplains of, of, of the Okavango. So the same floodplains you get in the Delta, these floodplains are, are, are created and I mean, flag plate birding is just is just next level birding. I mean, I'm talking things of going down the Okavango, stopping in, in in spots where the rocks are exposed, and one of your first special birds you come across is rock practicals. They just sit on the rocks. You know, if you do a boat cruise, you can often get quite close to them, and you can see these practicals sitting on the rocks. And that's quite a special bird. Already, if you go into the backwaters and you spend time exploring the backwaters. Things like your dwarf bitterns, little, little bittern, slaty egrets, rufous-bellied herons, your pygmy geese, lesser jacanas. These are all very, very special birds that are, I won't say common, but a, a bit more easier to find and a bit more easier to to, to bump into. Um, we also start to pick up your things like your shallows taraka as you move across the Caprivi Strip and towards Katima, special birds like shallows taraka. They're only... It's really the only place in Southern Africa you can pick up the bird. You heard me mention moving through the strip that things like the yellow-throated leaf loves have been picked up now. On the Zambezi African Finfoot, that's a bird that um, we spend time doing boat trips on the Zambezi to bump in, uh, to, to pick up to. But the other thing with them moving through the Zambezi and, and or moving to the Arkevango between the two rivers, and as you move approaching the Arkevango, is you move through some incredible intact Miambo woodland. And in South Africa, we don't, or in Southern Africa, I mean, we have the Miambo in Mozambique, in Zim, and then a small piece of, of Namibia has got really, really good Miambo woodland. And that what I call the Miambo or the Caprivi woodland has got some very, very special birds in it. One of the special birds that we pick up there is the Sousa Shrike. We've picked up on, on a few places where Sousa Shrike is available and just moving in, spending time on foot, looking for the birds, listening. You can pick up and pick up on a very special bird for your Southern African list. 
Some of the distractions while out in the same woodland will be things like tinkling cysticula, rufous belly tit, the green-backed honeybird, green-capped eremomulus, and even sharp-tailed starling. So you can, yeah, these are some 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 birds that are quite quite range restricted in terms of where we see them in southern Africa. And this this woodland that is still intact really offers some great birding. Even things like Retsis helmet shrike are quite common common in that. And I mean, yeah, I've got a few spots when we move through this area between Rundu and Devundu where we're very lucky. We often stop and just listen enough and do a bit of exploring. We bump into Rakatal Roller quite quite regularly. The Mahangu, the Mahang, sorry, the Mahangu area and Mahangu National Park is basically one giant floodplain. So you get onto the floodplain, it's full of red lechwe, warthogs, elephants, giraffes, buffaloes in the floodplain, hippos, crocodiles. It's just off, off, off the charts. And then you start to look for things like, I mean, as you move from Mahangu, you also go down into the Panhandle. So you're down into Botswana or stay in Mahangu exploring the Panhandle. And you start looking and listening for the, your two Okavango specials or your two cysticulars that are special on the top of the Okavango. And those are your Lapula and your chirping cysticulars. Things like brown five inches. So we have the African and the red-billed five inches. But brown, brown five inch is a garden bird at Bahangu Safari Lodge. You heard me mention the, the Chilos Tiraco, Western Banded Snake Eagle. It's one of the one of the easier places along the Okavango to see and along the Caprivi Strip to see Western Banded Snake Eagle. Dickinson's Kestrel. I mean, I know folks get lucky and we get lucky in Northern Kruger, but Dickinson's Kestrel is a bird we pick up a bit more, if I can say regularly, up when we're up in in, in Northern Namibia, moving through the Caprivi, along the Zambezi, white-crowned lapwing are quite are quite common birds. Bennett's woodpecker, rosy-throated longclaw, again a special bird of of KZN and 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 the peninsula up in KZN. But as you move to the Okavango in summer, rosy-throated longclaw, the different kukuls. You heard me mention the coppery-tailed kukul, white-browed kukul, greater swamp warbler. That's also a very very special bird that we move through and we we pick up. On the on the Okavango, and then um, Adam, as you said, the Pell's fishing owl. It's one of those, for some people, one of those nemesis bird. I mean, I've just had guests with me, and we had a great sighting of a Pell's in Kruger. But really, the best place, or art could be arguably, but one of the best places to see a Pell's fishing owl is along the Okavango. So as you cross the as you cross the Kapiri Strip, and you go down into the Panhandle, so you just touch into Botswana, just about 30, 40 kilometers into Botswana. You go to Shikari, to Drotsky's Caverns, and a boat cruise with them and spending time in the Shikari area. You're going to bump into a Pals Fishing Islands, a good chance. It's going to be a good sighting. The other thing with going down, so I mean, now we're in the, in the, in the Panhandle is, yeah, you're going for Pals Fishing Isle, but you're also spending time on a boat cruise, which is great for photography, that's where I've had Sitatunga before. I've had um, Marina Trogon in that woodland there. I've had African Crake just walking on their lawn when we arrive. Um, Pennant wing nightjar at night. So you can you can see just just as much as I can do a virtual tour just by mentioning these species. You can see just this small little area that I've just touched onto. What's what's on offer in terms of the birding? And I mean. You then would make your way further along the Caprivi Strip to Katima, where you'd spend a fair amount of time then on the Zambezi. So 
staying at either Caprivi Matoya, staying at Caprivi Houseboat Safaris. That's where the yellow throated that's where the yellow throated leaf loves have been. And then you get a couple of other different birds or it gives you a chance to pick up on any of those Caprivi specials you might have missed. You know, things like African Funfoot. I mean, there you can be have on the deck having a sundown and the Funfoot will swim past. Pearl's fishing isle is also regularly picked up on there. It's your chance for rock practical again. And then African hobby. I've been very, very lucky with spending time on the Zambezi on boat cruises early in the morning. You have African hobby flying over. And that's also one of those one of those special birds people, a lot of South African birders or birders are still trying to get on their lists. And then collared palm thrush. You know, as you move through the Caprivi, get closer on the Zambezi, collared palm thrush, African yellow white eye. These these become these become quite sought after birds and birds we it's a lot easier to find. And then one of my favorite birds from the Caprivi is of course an African skimmer. It's been really great to see the African skimmers doing so well in South Africa. I mean we've had we've had them picking up quite regularly in Kruger, around Kruger, and it's been birds are being seen. But I mean to spend time on either the Zambezi or the Okavanga on a boat cruise and you come around the corner and the African skimmers are sitting on an exposed bank, the engine switched off and you just sail past them, get some cracking photos, and then the birds go up on the wing because a fish eagle's flown up and you have 50, 60, 70 skimmers fly past the boat. It's just, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, I don't really have words for it. You have to, one either has to see a photo or you have to experience it for yourself, you know, and then you'll, You'll go from that to to the backwaters of the floodplain, and you just don't know where to look. It's slaty egrets being called, Lapula cysticulus uh, calling. There's lesser jacanas. Sometimes there's just they're everywhere. I mean, you actually try and look for an African jacana, pygmy geese just swimming by their boat. And I mean, if you've if you've ever seen a male African pygmy goose, it has got to be one of the coolest little duck species out there. You know. Yeah, I mean you can see it's 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 difficult to 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 explain, but just these birds that we see and 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 how close we can get to them on the boat cruises and then in the parks. Because the parks and the Caprivi are quiet, often we're the only people in the park. So you can really spend your time driving along the floodplain and just enjoy just enjoy that crimson breasted shrike. I mean, I know it's a Kalahari bird, but just that crimson breasted shrike. Sitting next to a vehicle posing, all those violet-eared wax balls. These are all these are also all birds which are quite common in the Caprivi, which a lot of people might not be familiar with, and they're relatively relaxed and tame, and you get great views of them. You've chatted, you've touched on the photography side of thing. I've seen some of Isaac Pretorius's photos of the Southern Karma Southern Karma and Beita colony, um, and you 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 touched on that when you did the YouTube video. But in terms of the photographic highlights, what are some things that photographers can expect because a lot of birders are go on these trips and they yeah they want to see the birds but they they want fantastic photography experiences so what 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 type of photography highlights can they expect yeah the photographer from the photography point of view a photographer is not going to be disappointed with a trip through the capri because you spend a fair amount of time on boats and the boats are all kitted out you know they're the fiberglass flat bottom boats so they're all kitted out where you've got nothing in your way often they have the swivel seats so you can turn 360 in the seat and photograph anything left, right, in front of you, behind you, and even above you. So you just get great opportunities to photograph birds. And the guys that the, the bird guides or the boat guides slash bird guides are so used to 
knowing what people want, that they position you perfectly, you know, with the light in the right way, you out at the right time of the day, just to get those really special shots. So from for the from the photography point of view, you can expect a lot of time getting up close and personal with birds, you know, even from their vehicles. You know, we take our time in the parks, you go through slowly, you've got bean bags rested and mounts fitted on the vehicles where you can just take your time and really try and get close to things and just get those great opportunities of that fishy eagle coming down and catching a fish from the lodge or the birds really up close to the boats, close to the vehicles. I mean, you mentioned the the, 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 the southern carmine bee-eater colony. I mean, that is any, any wildlife photographer's or any bird photographer's dream, being able to go to where the birds um, nest, getting out on the bank and just and just standing next to where the colony breeds and nests. And when those birds fly up, just that flash of pink flying up on you. And when these birds fly up, I'm talking of thousands of birds come out of their holes or come up and fly. And it's just, it's an absolute incredible, incredible sighting. And those are some of the photos that you've seen from Isaac Pretorius. And it's it's that kind of scenery that you can, you, one can expect coming from the Caprivi. If you think again, David Attenborough, when he was in the Archivanga, open floodplains, sometimes we go to the backwaters and I'm talking, they can be on a floodplain, hundreds, if not thousands of different birds on offer. From some of the rare things I've mis- mentioned, just to sometimes hundreds of pelicans, sometimes flamingos stop at the floodplains to rest, hundreds of open bull stalks, yellow bull stalks, just, and just that scene of all the birds together and when they move off and they get flushed off by a raptor flying over, just make for some incredible photography. Of course, I mean, you heard me say, a person wouldn't necessarily just do the Caprivi. I mean, we spoke about getting in there, it can be difficult. So for the photography, the landscape, as you move through a country like Namibia or you move to the Caprivi, is continually changing. So you just get great landscape photos. And then you can imagine... Most people would spend some time in Itosha and you're going to get those typical Itosha scenes, you know, with a black rhino in the salt pan or a black rhino at Okukuyo waterhole at night where you can just get the reflection off the water or an oryx in the desert, etc. So you can hear, I mean, the country and the Caprivi is a, is a must for, for, the, for the photographers. And there's one thing that's also absolutely amazing about being in the Caprivi is the stars and the stargazing. I'm not going to go on to it. This is a it's, a, it's a birding thing, but often we forget to look up. And being in the Caprivi or being in the desert in Namibia where there's night, no light pollution, often you walk away from the lodge where there's no lights, you turn off all the lights and you look up and the stars we see is just absolutely incredible. And I know a lot of the guys quite enjoy their photography of the stars. And I mean, if you've got the right gear, you know your settings, you've got a tripod you can get some absolutely incredible um, photos of the night sky in the Caprivi Strip. Yeah, so as I've listened to this um, episode and you've rattled through the birds that are on, that that, that Namibia has to offer and the speci- specifically this person, this area has to offer, oh, I can't wait to do a trip up there. So let me ask you, this is the, the all-important question right now. What is your number one Namibian bird, the bird that you think is the coolest Namibian bird and why? <laughs> it's so difficult to 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 say for sure. I mean, I've mentioned uh, I have a really enjoy the skimmers guys that listen to the Kruger one. No, I absolutely love a pals fishing hole, as it got me into into my birding. But 
in for Namibia, the Caprivi, it's definitely going to be the Taraka. It's going to be the Shalos Taraka or the Turica. Um, for the, some of the South African listeners, the, the Luri, um, the Shalos Taraka, when you see that bird, and I mean, we get very lucky. Sometimes we get the birds just a few meters from us. And it sits and it looks at you and it's got those incredible colors of the green and the blue. And then that little, it looks like an artist just took a bit of white cokey and painted its white crest like that. It absolutely takes your breath away. So my, my number one bird from the Caprivi is definitely a Shalos Taraka. And I just, just, just a quick shout out, just a recommendation. If anyone is looking to organize a trip, the Southern African Bird Finder book is a fantastic book. And yeah, just get your hands on it. We'll pop the link into the comment section. And I've been using it quite a bit to prepare for this episode. And it's fantastic. But here's the all important question for somebody that's listened to this and says, yo, I want to do a tour to the previous trip. What does nature travel birding offer? Yeah, thanks, Adam. Yeah, just to touch on that bird finder, just quickly. I mean, Kellen, Kellen's a good mate of my- he was in my he was in we were in the birding big day team together yeah definitely that bird finder is a must it's a it's a huge help for the whole of south and southern africa um getting in touch with us um yeah we organize trips i mean this trip's been focused on the caprivia and namibia but yeah we organize birding trips literally across africa and the world i'm based in south africa near kruger but spend a lot of time birding all over africa and then we also offer international trips as well so the best way of getting in touch is I gave my details earlier and I'm sure they'll be up, but also just get, you can get in touch. Um, probably the website's the best or Facebook. So Nature Travel Birding, we are on Facebook. It's just Nature Travel Birding. And then our website is just www.naturetravelbirding.com. And up on the website, you can see what, 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 what's all on offer, what we do. You can read trip reports, et cetera. And it's through there. There's, there's links to the office and you can get in touch with us and then myself directly you're more than welcome to get in touch with me directly as well but um our facebook and the website so again nature travel birding on facebook and instagram and then the website www.naturetravelbirding.com so mark i want to say thanks again it's been fantastic having a chat to you uh the kruger episode was awesome and i don't know which which place i want to visit more now so i'm like kind of keep my credit card locked away in the in the safe because yeah i'm a bit nervous <laughs> but yeah thanks for being on the show it's been fantastic it's always good i'm looking forward to having you back on and we'll continue with the um, namibia episode and chat about different areas but yeah man it's, it's been great having you on the show and yeah i just think i should be able to connect with you guys and yeah man thanks a million again oh it's been an absolute pleasure adam i really think just a pun towards you guys i really think what you guys are doing for south african birding for bird guides, for the operators, just getting everything its everything you're doing is great. So we really appreciate that. And yeah, for the folks that are following me on Facebook, please yeah, follow me on Facebook. I'm off to Uganda on the weekend. So that's going to be interesting. It's, it's, it's so awesome to be back there. I missed the trip there last year. So yeah, follow me on, on, on Facebook like we discussed. And yeah, I'm looking forward to being back talking about another, another part of Namibia and other parts of Africa. Thanks a lot, Adam. We are proud to be working in association with Wild Books to help get all the best birding resources into your hands at a great price. If you would like to support the Bird Enough project and the resources that we are putting out, please click on the link in either the comment section of this podcast or in our social media posts. Your support helps us to improve and hopefully make a bigger impact. Be sure to head over to our website, www.thebirdinglife.com 
and check out all the exciting resources that we have on our website, including our exciting forum section to connect you with the world of birding, birders and exciting birds out there. Do not forget to follow The Birding Life on Instagram and Facebook. We really appreciate everyone that takes the time to interact with these accounts. Be sure to check out Birdlasser and download the app on either iOS or Android and keep a life list while playing your part in social conservation. As well as Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars and spotting scopes. So until next time, be blessed and happy birding.